sentire media. Before we get started today, we want to thank everyone for listening so much. We wouldn't do this at all if there wasn't somewhere out there on the other end. And if you do like what you hear, please tell a friend, spread the good word, and let them know about us, and we'll keep pumping them out. All right, let's get started. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, here we go. Another podcast. We're rolling. Buon Natale! I'm just so excited. It's the holiday season! The holiday season! Alright, let me set it up. Hold, All right, I hold your horses, singing. hold your horses. <laughs> my name is Jason, and I'm joined by my wonderful, beautiful wife, Ashley, next to the crackling fire uh, in our little humble home in Le Marquet, Piovico, Italy. We bring to you the podcast from Italy, a little story... Uh, a little slice of life. A little slice of life. Of what's going on. So, please continue. Yes, it's the holiday season. The doop de doo and the dickery docks. And I'm loving it. We're 13 days away from Ashley's favorite day of the year. You're mu- very, very much a, Well, don't uh, forget about my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Today is the 12th. Of the, that is the second holiest day yes. of the year, yes? Today is the 12th of December. It is a chilly, chilly Thursday morning. Ooh, <laughs> negative eight degrees this morning. Yes, we woke up to negative eight. And, I call uh, that a hard frost. That is a hard frost. That's a 10 inch dew. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's uh, 8.15 in the morning and I'm procrastinating because I don't want to go outside and start the, we're, we have high pressure and it's beautiful and sunny, but it is cold. Yesterday, lots of fog. That was the talk of everywhere we were. We'll get to that later, but driving around it was dense fog it was kind of cool it was kind of cool all mm-hmm. right so let's start off the podcast where do you want to go the high prices high prices let's of living just in paradise. jump right in yeah so uh now that the year is coming to a close we get to do all of our paying uh, all of our busy work you know we have to pay this thing and that thing that we kind of put off um in doing all these things until the end of the year because we're busy during the summer and um there's a lot of new tax. It's kind of expensive to live Well, yeah, in we Italy. didn't put that off. The new tax just arrived. The, there's a new tax called TARES, T-A-R-E-S. And I don't have no idea what it stands for, but it stands for expensive. <laughs> yeah, that's they, the nice way to say it. <laughs> they tied this TARES, new TARES bill into our garbage. And um, so our garbage has now gone up. Our garbage tax that we pay but mind you there's no truck coming to our house no. to pick up our garbage once mind you our car has become a garbage truck because, because we have no garbage delivery we have or no pickup. garbage pickup so we drive our garbage to the end to the where the main roadage which is 6.4 kilometers so you can imagine running a business Basically every day, I'm when I go out, I'm taking garbage out and bringing food back. In. It's awesome. It's awesome. So um, our garbage bill went up five times. Not just like fifty bucks. Here's, oh, you know, you know, and I understand fifty bucks. Okay, five times is staggering. And I thought I looked at that and I thought this is why I think a lot of Italians don't pay taxes. Uh, that's a big generalization, I know, but I thought this is this is one of those ones you don't pay, right? Like, that's what I thought. I was like, because you'll hear these stories where, oh, you don't pay it because then in the next couple months it'll be retracted or changed, and I just thought, okay, this is one you just, you just don't do. So we go into the um, town office. The comune. The, this is like coming the tr- from the comune, uh-huh. the village of Sant'Angelo and Vado, where we go. This is, can't be right. Our garbage bill is five times as much. This, we don't even they don't even come and pick it up she goes oh yeah yeah this is this is scontato this is a discounted 70 percent 70 percent i was like oh 
Oh my god. <laughs> she when she said, "Oh yeah, uh, it's been made note and it's it's already reduced." And we just thought, "Oh my god." So, um that was uh well, It's being contested. It's being contested <laughs> and or studied uh, on. So she told us we must pay the 18 euros that goes to the state, the state of like the Italian state. So we paid the 18 euro part and we're like, "What about the other huge amount and she goes oh no no no! don't pay that yet just wait just, just wait, wait just wait so i don't know is this one of those things where everyone waits to see what's going to happen and then no one pays it and then know. it gets repealed that's what i keep wondering well how do you well and what was ironic was when i was in her office she had the newspaper open and the headline said taurus has arrived and it's no joke <laughs> no shit like that's why i'm here like this is so ironic and i didn't know if she saw the irony in that newspaper or what but uh, it ain't no joke. Um, so this Taurus thing isn't the only thing that's gone up. Uh, gone up. Our um, the uh, the uh, Marco Di Bolo, the little. Oh my um, gosh! Yeah, it went from fourteen sixty two to like sixteen. You're all these little stamps. It's been fourteen sixty two since they changed from the lira. lira. The little stamps that you any official document that you hand in to the state needs to have what's called a Marco Di Bolo, and it's basically just a way for them to get an extra. <laughs> Eight, now, now 16 euros. <laughs> so at the top of each of these official pages will be a little little square where you have to – and you go to the tobacco shop and you get these. And they were 1462 because that was – when they changed from the lira, it was whatever it was in lira. Uh-huh. And uh, now it just went up another buck fifty. Our permeso packet went up Doubles, from mm-hmm. – uh, the, the cost that we have to pay for our – turning in our immigration thing doubled in price um gpl um liquid petroleum that most people who don't have wood stoves heat with has gone up since we've lived here from 60 cents a liter to a euro 20 a liter and uh on in (laughs) (laughs) i saw headlines yesterday saying um that since the prices have gone up old people will die uh, will freeze to death will Will freeze to death and i just thought it was a bit traumatic but i thought this is what we're going to start seeing all over it's true i mean it's Oh, for sure. It's gotten, this year's gotten, they're just trying, I think, to tax the middle class to pay for the debt there you know pay for whatever i don't know i don't want to get into politics. i know we normally don't talk about this stuff but it was just it's, it's it, you been, see it you feel whoa it. we really felt it and uh it Everything. was just i mean food got ex- food went up we all saw food go up uh last year last uh january it's just we came back at eva the um, value-added tax or vat went up a point the, we we just went to marco's and the toll on the road went up. Oh yeah, the auto strike went up big time. <laughs> Where you thought we're going to exits? How has it gone up like forty cents? Like I, I don't know. It just seemed like quite a steep climb. Um, yeah, they're everything. Everything, everything got more up. expensive. So, whew, um, that we feel this these last few days. These last and few thankful days that we year. have wood and we trade for it and things like that. In the winter, we don't turn on our GPL at all. No, no, no. We just we get we. If I had to heat our house with gas, it would cost be probably about eight hundred euro a month. Oh, because um, our tank holds fifteen hundred liters, and usually I get it when we need about a thousand twelve hundred, and the bill's usually about you know fourteen hundred euro, and that. Should get us through. Like we used half of that in the um, in the fall, and we'll use half of it again in the spring before the nice weather comes. And that's just for the guests because we heat with wood. But my God, if you had a family and you had to heat a house, it it's a huge, it's a huge expense. Mm-hmm. It's huge. 
That's why I dream of heated floors someday. One day. Keep dreaming. I know. <laughs> Not at Cacamone. <laughs> uh, Christmas being 13 days away, uh, the Panettone boxes are up to the ceiling in the grocery stores. We talked about that. And we need to get on the ball and make Capoletti. We're doing it Saturday, baby. So what are Capoletti? Explain real quick what are Capoletti. I thought we did. Capoletti are um, like little tortellini. And they're what we make in this area. Little in hats. Marque. Little hats. Little stuffed pasta hats. And... Um, they're teeny tiny and they're about the size of a postage stamp and you fold them and into these little hats and it's a ton of work. It's, it's really fun, but it's like in my family, the night before Christmas, we'd stay up all night making pies and everyone would be in the kitchen. And so making Capoletti is kind of my, the version of my family's pie night where everyone's hanging out in the kitchen, doing a different project and kind of shit talking, gossiping, listening to Christmas music, the fire's going. It's nice. So that's what we'll be doing this uh, this weekend. We probably, what, make like 10 kilo? I don't know. Our chickens are producing eight eggs a day, and uh, there's only two of us, and we can only give away so many. So we've got to make a lot because we've got a lot of eggs. <laughs> uh, yeah, it freezes wonderfully, and we'll keep it, uh, and we'll just eat it you know, with different sauces, or you just eat it in broth, and um, we'll have a bunch of people come over, and we'll probably all do it together because it's much more fun doing those together than by yourself i think so for sure so i can't wait for that and, and then um cookie monster to my right ate all of my cornflake cookies that i made i was going to do a beautiful blog post and recipe and all of that and i was setting up the plates and figuring how i wanted to set the scene for the photo and <sighs> jason ate the cookies before I yeah well you to took him. too long i told you <laughs> You had, I gave you 48 hours to take those pictures. Nothing happened. In our there area, was 30 cookies. <laughs> no, there, time, there wasn't 30 cookies. There were 32, but they're small, but they're gone. <laughs> yeah, three days, okay? So we're going to make more today. They're well, delicious. Cornflake cookies, they sound like something from Texas. Like, hey, y'all, we're making cornflake cookies today. Mm-hmm. But here they're called uh, biscotti chiriale. And uh, cereal cookies. And you just make a really simple dough. 100 grams of... Uh, butter, 100 grams of sugar, and I think 250 grams of flour, and um, an egg, an egg and probably, two eggs, a and a little vanilla, and you could put pine nuts, you could soak your raisins, and some raisins, and um, if you want to get all fancy, you can soak your raisins in Marsala or Vinsanto, but I kind of like it really simple. And um, You didn't, can I make fun of you two seconds? Sure. Okay. Your cookies were delicious. One thing that was hysterical is you you measured out four tablespoons of raisins, which made me crack up. Totally, he said. Loudly. I said, "There's four tablespoons of raisins, or how much raisins?" Or you was you were saying I, you I want more said, raisins? These are great. I'm like, I love them. Make them again, but I want more raisins because I like the raisins. And I was like, okay, I'll do like five tablespoons or something. And he goes, "Did you measure?" And I said, "Yes." <laughs> just started dying jason will just like look at it and throw handfuls in until he thinks it's good i measure i uh top off the spoon <laughs> delicious and um they're just these these simple like um not too sweet no not sweet at all you cream the butter and the sugar you add the egg and then you mix in the flour and the baking soda and the salt and the raisins and then you make little balls about the size of what a small golf ball yeah, and then yeah. you roll it in um, cornflakes. Corn now, what I have got to figure out is how to get more cornflake per square inch of the cookie. Because I love <laughs> – because as the cookie expands, the cornflakes, obviously, there's not as much surface uh, area. Surface area so, or there's or now there's more, more surface, surface area. area. So uh, – 
It's a little science experiment. I'm looking at the last cookie right now, trying not to eat it as we're recording this. Yeah, podcast. no one wants to hear you eat a cookie into a microphone. Or maybe it makes it more interactive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that uh, and Tumbler. Oh, bingo! Uh, the talk is back that Tumbler Queen is ready to go. Ready to go. <laughs> She's dusting off her uh, hot beans. dice. Yes. Um, what is t- real quick? So Tumbler is the Italian bingo, and uh, last year, let's just say I won big. Always around Christmas, New Year's. Um, I beat out a third grader <laughs> and was like, "In your face!" <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. Oh, it was bordering on inappropriate. I couldn't help myself. I get really competitive. <laughs> kind of sweaty too and um <laughs> uh, around the holidays um usually there's one at church in the church will put one on the commune will put one on um the pro local put one on and they'll have tumble of nights and you everyone goes after dinner usually. and you win like a prosciutto <laughs> yeah great prizes like good prizes like we uh, whoever wins this one gets a whole prosciutto or a wheel of cheese or five liters of oil. Yeah, it's great. It's and, uh, really fun. And everyone packs into like the uh, auditorium of the school or the um, big cafe yeah, kind of thing. And, and it's great. It's a good social. Uh, and the, when we were at gr- uh, the grocery store yesterday uh, picking up some stuff, the lady who checks us out, Antonella, she lives in Piovico and she goes, oh, Tumble is coming next week. She goes, I'm sitting next to you. Yeah. She, I said, I asked her if she was ready and she said, don't forget last year I called it. I said, last year i want to sit at your table i want to rub elbows with you so uh this year i call sitting next to you i just thought it was hysterical so i'm, I'm pumped i'm ready for tumbler get back in the game eye of the tiger <laughs> uh yesterday we um drove around oh drove around we drove down to ostra to visit marco our good friend ostra and- is uh if you take the coast down from fauna which is where you hit the coast from our place to Senegalia, it's a uh, 10, 15 minutes kind of down the coast, and then you go inland from there. Um, and we had lunch at his family's house, and his mother made us a beautiful lunch, and we got to hang out and talk, visit with his parents a little bit. But um, getting off the... Au- wait, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, go ahead. I was going to jump to his dad, but you're, you're going to talk about the autostrada. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, getting off... The, we talked about last podcast about um, the fact that may, um, prosciutto or different things that are made in Italy, the, the animals a lot of time aren't raised in Italy. And when we were getting... Off the autostrada yesterday, we saw protesters, young young people with uh, Italian flags. That when they saw a animal truck, I don't know, they were just protesting like with the Italian flag and everything. Yeah, yeah, they were protesting about made in Italy doesn't mean raised in Italy, and I thought that was interesting that they there was actually like we saw it, we read about it, and then ooh, hot day. Oh, whoa, I know, and it is really interesting because you just take that made in Italy mark for granted sometimes, and. I think we've talked about sometimes jeans or certain clothes that just have a button sewn on once they, you know, half the thing is made in China and then it comes here and they sew on a button and say it's made in Italy. Well, the same thing is happening with food and cheese. And um, so they'll have, they'll bring in a cow that was raised from somewhere else or the milk from a cow raised somewhere else to make cheese that is supposedly then made Made in Italy. Italy. And it's cheaper to Mm -hmm. truck the cheese all the way here or truck the milk all the way here than to actually make the milk here in Italy. So it's like milk coming from Lithuania. Or who, who yeah, yeah, yeah. Knows. No, one of these articles it was something like that. And, uh, you know, pigs coming from, you know, Timbuktu and then being made into prosciutto di Parma or, you know. So the whole idea of that also is avoid the big labels because they're obviously cost cutting and just try to buy local or from the smallest purveyors. Smaller pro- producers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the big ones do. Mm-hmm. They have to save money, which was uh, interesting. Um, 
it was interesting to see that coming off, and it was like, whoa, I can't believe we read about that. Yeah. Actually doing it. it was great to see young people caring. Mm-hmm. Um, but s- terrible segue into the interview with Marco that we did yesterday. Yes, but what's... Okay, honest, before... Yeah, exactly. Before we get into the interview, I just have to mention that his dad is hysterical. And Marco said to come between like 11 and 12 or whatever, and we show up at like, yeah, 11.45. Marco's dad gets called into lunch at about noon, but lunch isn't quite ready till about 1220. And he's hanging, hanging out talking. And at one point he just reminded us of Gachi. He was like, you know, you don't call someone in for lunch <laughs> and not have it be ready. When you call me into lunch when I'm working, I come in and I'm expecting to see you pulling it out of the oven. And it was just this kind of throwback to this 50s feel. Or he was half kidding, it, but he was half serious. Oh, I think it was more serious than kidding, but it was done in a playful manner. But it just cracked me up. I loved it. It was I, great. Because he was just like, I got work to do. I, I don't have time just to sit here and BS with you guys. And I think it was that mentality of going, now I'm hungry. Like <laughs> We're sitting here looking at this beautiful pasta yeah. in, the, in, this, in the oven cooking. It was great. But uh, set up the interview. Yes. So um, after our lunch with Marco, uh, we fired up the mics. And I did a little interview with him about wine from La Marque, and um, I hope you guys enjoy it. And if you have more questions, please send them in because we'll do another follow-up with, um, you know, some things we missed and um, some more questions you guys have. So enjoy the interview. Okay, we are joined by a very special guest today, Marco Candy from Marco's Way. Ciao, Marco. Uh, ciao, Ashley. <laughs> so I thought it would be fun to have you on the podcast to talk a little bit about wine from the Marque. And um, before we get into the wine from the Marque, let's hear a little bit about your story. So you are Marcogiano. You are from the Marque yourself. And what got you into becoming a wine guide and a wine expert? Where did uh, your wine journey begin? Okay, my wine journey began actually here because I was born here and I was born between basically vineyards. My parents had a vineyard and so they were making wine and I was just helping them. And then since, basically since I was a little kid, I had, uh, you know, my, my hands on, uh, on the grapes. Let's put it, let's put it uh, that way. And what um, made you want to get into wine tourism? Okay, wine tourism because I've been to all the countries like Australia, New Zealand and US too. And uh, I realized that, uh, you know, uh, and those countries, the people, they, you know, they're making uh, some business out of it. And, uh, and it's actually quite really pleasant for, of course, for the wineries, but also for the people, you know, discovering new regions, new wines. And so that's actually what I, you know, I found really interesting. So for someone who is either planning a trip to Italy or maybe just dreaming of one, why come to La Marche for wine? What ki- First of all, well, let's start with what kinds of grapes will you find in this region that are unique? Okay. Well, we talk about the Le Marche Same. region, of course. Le Marche is just one region, one of the many regions in Italy. So... Actually, is market is famous for the, the different varieties that, that you can find here, and uh, between those, all the indigenous grape varieties that you can find in this region. Of course, well, you know, probably we can start from the Verdicchio, so our most famous, most famous. white wine. 
um, from the market. Uh, of course, you know, just getting closer to the, the area where you're staying, the Bianchello del Metaro will be the, uh, I know, the interesting variety. And then we can go down, uh, scrolling down to the, the south of the region, we, we, can, fi we can find the uh, Pecorino, uh, the Passerina, uh, the Macelatino Ribona, and so on. And Moro di Alba. And, and of course, just, just, just for staying with, with the white wines, but, you know, <laughs> ah, if you talk about the reds, we do have, you know, the Conero, so the, um, also we do have the Lacrima di Morodalba, we have the Vernaccia di Serra Petrona, and so on. Well, so, I, I say that, and I, I like that you went on and on with this mix of wines, because uh, I think a lot of people think that uh, the wine from Italy is Chianti. <laughs> And then a little bit from Lombardy and stop. So I think so many people get used to that Chianti sticker, the little pink sticker and label, and they go and buy something that they're familiar with the name uh, and also not familiar with how many varieties and, and like you said, how many regions there are in Italy. So there's so many types of grapes and wines to try. Marche, like uh, any other region in Italy, is about diversity. So you know, like you said, you know, you, uh, you said it right. You know, it's, um, it's not only about Chianti. It's not only about Prosecco. You know, there's a kind of uh, wines you can find in Italy, but you know, every region has its own uh, typical uh, varieties, uh, indigenous varieties, and actually, it's a part of the fun to discover every single region. Uh, you know, discovering through using also the, you know, the wines you can find in that region. So that's actually the nicest part of the, the journey. Because, it is. I uh, totally uh, agree because I've become not a, I, I like wine. I like my vino. And uh, Jason says, mama's got her medicine. And I love, we serve only wines from the market at our agriturismo. And I'm very proud of that. And I love the ones we've chosen, uh, the winemakers we've chosen, thanks to you in your help. But part of the fun of traveling in Italy is to go to another region and try a wine and just ask at the restaurant something local, you know, what is the house red? And most of the time they won't stray you wrong and uh it's a it's just such a pleasure to venture two hours and you get such a different uh variety of uh at the table both for the food and the the grapes no no this is uh i repeat you know this is uh, the wine the indigenous varieties that goes along with uh you know the let's call it the indigenous food that every region or every part of the region like we you know like mark is divided um, the market region is divided into five different provinces they have every single uh, part of the every single province will have its own characteristic food you know to match with the particular kind of wine so this mm -hmm. is actually what makes interesting you know the the combination of food and wine. Like uh, the Verdicchio or Bianchello with the seafood from the coast is uh, exactly unparalleled. Right. It's just perfect. They pair. Yes. Or think about Verdicchio is, uh, is produced not right on the coast. It's produced in, in, uh, in on, um, on the castle surrounding the Yesi municipality. So means in the, um, uh, in the countryside, in land. So not really on the seaside. So it's, it would be nice to have to match with some, you know, uh, pulled, well, yeah. white meat, mm -hmm. like it's traditional, like a, well, the lunch that yeah. <laughs> today, uh, basically is based on, you know, we had a little bit of a coniglio and, you know, a nice glass of verdicchio. 
would be interesting. So Verdicchio, no, you know, it's not, it's not only um, you need to f pairing with uh, fish, but also with uh, white meat because you have to always think about the area where that particular wine is produced. So mm -hmm. the uh, geographical location is important. And the thinking about the wines from the area, tell us what wines you produce at your house. Uh, myself, I'm producing 100% Lacrima grapes. So it's a red wine. Uh, you know, it's really it's one of the um, smallest here in the, in the market region. One about 20 producers. Well, minus me. Well, me, I'm not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, you know, producing for family and friends. You know, I'm not, it's not, it's not really a proper business. Like, a, but, you know, 20 producers around about 400 hectares. So let's say 1,000 acres room equivalent. And... Lacrima is very unique. It is. Do you want to talk about that? A bit of the history or the flavor of Lacrima? No, Lacrima is unique because, unlike all the other wines, majority of the other wines, uh, it's much more floral than fruity. So that's actually what really makes uh, these varieties really interesting. Because it's really flowery. Sometimes I had a... Um, People that say, no, no, I don't want, as soon as I mention lacrima, I say, no, 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 I don't want lacrima. For me, it's like a perfume. I don't, you know, I don't mm -hmm. like, uh, and, but, you know, no, the lacrima, you know, lacrima, there are um, different kind of uh, producers. So, I mean, so every producer has his own uh, philosophy, his own, produces on topology of wine. So, lacrima, is, it's a big nose and it's unique. So, you can, you know, between 100, 100 wines, you'll easily recognize the lacrima. Because you will find the uh, scents of uh, violets and roses. And plus, uh, of course, it's a fruity, but much more floral. So you'll, it's unique because it's uh, uh, no, you know, not wines that you can actually compare or some, you know, a clo uh, closer wine or some, some wine that can remind you of the particular variety. So um, it's unique. So there's actually the... Uh, well, uh, an interesting characteristic of this wine. Easily to recognize, of course, on the other side, sometimes not that easy to, well, to, especially if you are the first time, you know, either you like it or you yes. don't. <laughs> Compromising with the lacrima, it's really, it's not, it's not an option, I would say. And what would you say, we had a guest, uh, not a guest, I'm sorry, a question from um, online that was sent to us about if it's possible by looking at a label to tell the quality of the wine. If there's any characteristics, and I'm thinking maybe like a, like a DOC or something, but if, there, if, if just by looking at a label, <laughs> if there's any distinguishing factors or things you should be looking for in a label to to signify mm. a good wine right now i would say no well the, the main part of things that probably you can uh, get on the label is the you know the different kind of appellation so you know like lucky mesa has the doc uh, status so you need to look for um, a doc wine and can you explain really quick what doc means uh doc is basically is a um, Denomination of uh, origin uh, control, basically. So it's, mm, it specifies um, which variety 
you basically um, you drinking which variety and the geographical area where this variety has been grown and has been processed and transformed into wine. So this actually, you know, is guarantee you that you know you're drinking the lacrima DOC, for example, is going to be produced uh, in this particular geographical area. As I just give you a rough idea, it's made of five different um, municipalities. Uh, Ostra, Mordalba, of course, Mordalba is the core, uh, San Marcello, Belvedere, and a part of Senigallia, so five different uh, boroughs, basically, uh, where you're allowed to produce, uh, to cultivate those grapes, and you're allowed to, well, you, you need to make into wine uh, within those, um, those geographical areas. Mm -hmm. so to I have the stamp of the approval stamp. and certified exactly. exactly. And plus, plus, there is uh, you know some characteristic like um, the alcohol content. So mm -hmm. there are some limitations, but you know, first of all, the grapes need to come from that particular area, mm -hmm. and, this and is also the process in inside the particular area. So otherwise, you cannot really uh, you, you cannot do so. This is the same in the same regards for food, like uh, the. Uh, balsamic from Modena or the prosciutto di Parma and things like that, but just on a wine level. But um, so I, I was thinking about wines and red, white, and rosé, and I was thinking how rosé has really seemed to take off. Can you explain what rosé is or how it is made? Um, rosé, it's, well, nice, simple. We have two different uh, vinification process. One is white, one is, and the other one is red. Mm -hmm. um, that's it. And of course, well, in order to make in rosé, you're using, uh, let's say, let's call it the black grapes. And then what you do, instead of uh, leave the skin in touch with the juice for longer, and then in that, in that case, the wine will become red. If you let it go, the, you let the, the fermentation, the maceration goes for a longer time, let's say from one day onwards. Um, instead, in order to make a rosé, what you do, you just um, keep the, um, the skins in touch with the, with, the, with the juice for a shorter time. Could it be a matter of uh, hours, a uh, few hours, up to 12 or up to one day, but not any longer because the, actually the color uh, of the wine lies on the skin. So the longer the, the contact between the juice, the, the deeper the color and uh, the right color it, it will be. So rosé, you actually decided... Uh, in order to you know to make this contact between skins and, uh, and the mass, the juice, really really short, on depending on the kind of uh, you know uh, degrees degree of um, pinkish. Yes, uh, I, I find it interesting. You I, want. I, no, Jason no, thought you not. added red wine to white wine. I remember when we went to Juicy's this um, spring, and he had the the um, rosé, and he has a bolo rosa, which is spectacular, a uh, kind of like a rosé prosecco, if you were explained, a sparkling, very beautiful. Exactly, because you always have the, the prosecco. Of, <laughs> well, no, no, this is a sparkling wine made with uh, lacrima grapes, mm -hmm. and of course, lacrima is a red wine. But if you keep the um, the skins of the lacrima, the lacrima wine in touch with the juice for just a matter of hours or short time. Mm -hmm. And you will get the the pinkish color. So you have the rosé, and then of course, you know, after you have the rosé, it's a, a still version. You can also so add some uh, some more, uh, you know, what we call mosto concentrato rettificato, 
uh, some kind of sugar, of course, not the classic sugar, otherwise you commit a fraud. And then, <laughs> and then you, you, know, you may do it yourself, you know, um, you know, for the, se- the second fermentation, for making uh, you know, the sharp method, but the second fermentation take place in, um, in a autoclave, in a, so in a big um, stainless cell uh, uh, container where the, all the carbon dioxide uh, developed is uh, trapped inside. Or, like you're doing um, for, for the champagne, for the, what we call the classic method, because, of course, we cannot call champagne, and the second fermentation can take place inside uh, every single bottle, and then you have a. Uh, yeah. I just think I find that I really have enjoyed the rosés made from lacrima. Uh, I, I think, as you were saying, with the floralness, it makes for a really nice rosé that's not too sweet, but just perfect for a sunny afternoon. I love it. <laughs> and I would say it would be, um, you know, for you, because you are here in the market, it would be uh, far better idea to offer what to drink yourself first and then to <laughs> offer to your guest uh you know some lacrima spumante would be the um, uh, the rosé version better than a glass of prosecco oh for what? sure because prosecco sure. is not actually from this region so yes. you know, would it be you know far much better because you can also have the verdicchio spumante you can have the um, uh, pecorino spumante or the passerina spumante you can have the vernaccia di sara petrona is um, the only wine that has three um, three different steps of fermentation so it's not even only two but three different fermentations so it's unique so would it be rather interesting to have to offer those wines better than to offer a Prosecco. But, um, you know, I'm a Marquijano. Exactly, market, I love so it. <laughs> I'm supporting my, my... That's why you're here. We love it. Now, here's another question. What do you see? I've seen this becoming really popular, and people have asked about this. What do you see as the future of organic wines? And how many, like, true organic wineries are in Lamarque right now, or that you know of? Because I understand this is a very hard certification to get, and it doesn't really mean anything. Okay. I'll, well, I'll try to explain because myself, also myself, I, have, um, I do have a little farm. So, well, basically it's still, you know, my, my father's farm. But, you know, I'm trying, you know, to convert into from normal, you know, um, agricultural farm into organic. But you have to figure it out, you know, in order to do so, I'm using, of course, I'm just, you know, I'm not really using... Uh, certain amounts of uh, figured out my vineyard. You know, uh, I can all, I can use copper and sulfur by in certain quantities, like for the organic growing. But you know, I, know I cannot really use uh, pesticides. Or, so in that particular case, I need to, you know myself to go in with uh, particular tools and you know get rid of the weeds and so on. So it's really a lot, lot of work. But you know, myself, I'm, I'm quite happy. Uh, you know, to have a because of course I'm producing for myself. Um, so, but of course, you know, all my neighbors will do using the normal agriculture. So, you know, I will get some residual, uh, mm-hmm. the, you know, the treat, the spray, the, the things that they spray. So, for for me to be called to to be certified organic, would it be really well? Would it be easy if I'm paying? But in fact, it would be really really hard to be fully organic. But you know, myself, I try to treat you know the. The nicest way, so the friendliest way yes. towards nature. That's what I'm what I'm doing myself. You know, talking about general, there are more and more organic wine producers. Of course, organic producers, but talking about referring to wines, also to organic wine producers, because also the people 
they mm, become a little bit more aware, you know, of, uh, to respect a little bit more nature because we've been through, you know, times that we mm, we just used nature and we didn't pay much attention. Now we, not because it we were in time of crisis, but you know, just we see how the nature, you know, uh, reverse, you know, towards us, you know, what we did it to basically to her. So it's actually. Uh, so we need to be a little bit more careful, but the people getting a little bit more uh, sen- sensible mm-hmm. uh, towards uh, the you know the that issue. So is it though? This is Italy, so is it difficult to? Is it much more difficult to get the a stamp that says you're certified to get that characteristic? No, the, um, <laughs> like I said, you know, as long as you pay, because it, it will cost me like a, my little farm, you know, and it will cost me a lot. So I, I don't know if I'm, I will never be able, well, because I cannot really afford it, because it will cost me too much for have a little stamp of approval. For me, it's, you know, it doesn't really matter because... Uh, so, so with that being said, that's what I was thinking and, and kind of going off of. This happens in America, too, where a small farm can't exactly, like you're saying, pay. So do you think more wines are actually organic than are certified organic? Uh, this one really depends on the honest of the people, you know. So like I, like I said, you know, as long as you pay, you can get, you know, the certification going. And even if you're not, let's say, 100% organic, you know, and, but you can do so. Of course, there are some bodies that do certify, that do control you and, mm-hmm. and so on. But if you want, uh, you can cheat, basically, I would say. Um, <laughs> this is, uh, no, I shouldn't say that, but, you know, but anyway, because yeah. uh, but yet, you have to be aware, you know, mm-hmm. because... Uh, um, Let's figure out what happened here in, in, in the countryside and the small farms. Small farms in the past, we had a uh, lot of people working together, so everything was done by hand, no pesticides or something, uh, and so on. So now, you know, people, it's much more easy to spray to kill all to kill all the yes. um, to kill all the um, all the grass. And in the past, every, every, you know, all the jobs were done, but, you know, many people. But now the families are As much the smaller. Family, yeah. Exactly. So this you know, it cannot really happen any longer. But, you know, there's some, you know, that one that you can find around probably um, would be quite, well, something that you can rely on. The only problem is, and, uh, and I'll finish, uh, the, the price. Because I uh, go German friends, you know, the price that you pay for organic food in Germany, let's then do an example of the, the milk. If the milk here yeah, costs on about 80 cents, or let's say one euro for the organic one. Uh-huh. Uh, sorry, uh, 80 cents or one euro for the normal milk. You'll pay at least 150 for the 150 or two, euro, two euros for the organic milk here in Italy. In Germany, you just pay half the price. So it means you'll pay uh, for organic milk in Germany, you will pay the same price you would pay for the normal milk here. So that's the main difference. It's just referring to the price. So there's actually you know bigger price, so bigger interest, and so the people that you know once that there is money involved, it's nice and easy to cheat. You know, means you can get profits. So mm-hmm. and then yeah, so on. it's just interesting. I think the weight that a word like that carries. Um, so tell me about your tours. So you, Marco's Way gives g- wonderful tours of the area, which is a really unique way and really one of the only that I know of, uh, and I know a lot. 
Um, <laughs> one of the only ways you can, especially from our farmhouse, have a someone come and pick you up and that is from the area and give you a wonderful day of going to some wineries and a cheese maker and kind of this wonderful mentality of this Italian way also of kind of this see where the wind blows. It depends on how the day goes, on how many wineries you'll see. It's not so strict like X, Y, and Z that uh, I think that a lot of people enjoy the uh, the ease and the kind of spontaneity of that your tours offer as well. Um, no, well, my tours, well, I'm basically trying to, you know, to do my best, but um, like I'm saying to, you know, to my guests, you know, for me, it's really, it's really, really easy because, you know, majority of the work is done by the producer that will be visiting. So because we talk about family producers, like would it be wine producers or cheese producers or extra virgin oil producers. So, you know, talk about family, like, uh, you know, like my uh, small family, you know, so my, like a small farmer. So I just mm-hmm. try to, you know, to, you know, to, to do my best, you know, the producing. And of course, you know, I'm going to producer that have more or less, of course, you know, everyone will have, you know, will um, probably excel or, you know, not excel, um, uh, so much, you know, but you know, it will put uh, all the passion, all the, you know, into the the job that uh, that they're doing. So for me, it's, uh, uh, it's really, really important. That really, what really makes interesting because you know you're getting to know, you know, uh, different kind of family, different kind of reality. And but you know, we talk about something that's uh, you know, hundred percent true. It's no, you know, it's nothing fake or something. No, and uh, the it's guests, made up for the guests. You no, know? and they love it because you never know when you go out with Marco what will happen. We had some guests that loved it because it ended up it was a holiday and the children were home from school and the children were helping pick the grapes and the guests just thought, oh, I feel like we're in a movie. How is this set up? And and it just so happens to be that day. And because it is such a family, Marco takes you to such family run places you get this exactly this glimpse of you know farm life and what it is like for these people you meet the husband and wife and their children who hopefully one day will continue the traditions and and on that part of why what marco's doing is so important in this area is because like i touched on before not a lot of people are doing this as a guide but also not a lot of these wineries I shouldn't say know how to promote, but uh, have their doors open or a sign on the road or hours of operation for just general tours. So you kind of still need uh, this key, this guide to help you get into these doors. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, Yes. Well, our problem here in the market, we are able to produce, you know, really good wines, good food. Uh, our problem is, uh, you know, in order to communicate to the others what we do here. So this, what I'm doing basically is, then there's only, you know, it's a small, small part of what I'm doing myself, and just um, try to, you know, uh, to promote, what well, to introduce the, the people to the um, that family, and also on the other part to. Um, let's say to try to, um, how, how can I say, to make the, the family who receives a little bit more open and, you know, in order to realize how important it is, you know, communicate what we do. So this really... To share uh, their story. You know, to share because, you know, if... We, well, you know, we have great stories, but if we, if we keep it for ourselves, you know, it will, that, those stories will end, will end up, you know. So, mm-hmm. if, you know, if we are able to communicate to let the other people 
uh, understand what's going on and and it's actually um, you know it's just, for me it's a sort of two way channels for you know the people that will learn from the family but also the family will learn from the uh, from the guests, from the people that you know, um, bring it to you know to visit that place. So it's you know it's open. Uh, uh, what I say, a mutual understanding. So you know, from the farmers, but also from the you know from the um, from the guests, the, the people that. Well, and the power of passaparola of uh, you know uh, spreading the word and kind of. Um, um, suggestions from others that to go when people go back home when you go to your enoteca or your wine shop to say i visited la marque uh, do you have wines from there and to request them to start ordering wines from the region or to bring a card or a bottle from or the label from a great bottle you had at a restaurant or at, at our agriturismo <laughs> or somewhere that to to that it's okay to be proactive also when you go back home to these to you know your respected country to request because it is so difficult to, i think for some of these small purveyors, small winemakers to think so big to export to, they think, why would someone in Texas want to drink my wine? You know, I only make 10,000, you know, liters a year or things like that. Now, this one would be important, you know, for the people to get into, know, the smaller uh, realities like uh, Lacrima or... You know, like a given, like a vernaccia di Serra Petrone is almost an unknown wine from the market, but it's, um, I would say <laughs> one of the greatest because you can find still sparkling and, you know, like I said before, it's the one that has three fermentations. Um, so this one, uh, this one uh, would be, uh, would be um, important for for the for the wine itself, you know, if some some people that you know tried and keep still talking about mm, that particular wine, I'm not, you know, of course, you know, I'm, there are many producers from that particular wine, so you know, not necessarily talking about one producer, but talking about the that wine, you mm -hmm. know, could it be Lacrima, uh, you know, keep talking about that wine even, uh, uh, you know, outside uh, our geographical borders, uh, would be, you know. Uh, also important, it and of is. course, and you know, if you want to show off, like uh, suggest to somebody, you know, it's nice and easy to go in any uh, restaurant in the US and say, Oh, I'm gonna have a glass of Prosecco, but you know, it would be much more interesting if you instead of um, sorry, I'm gonna have a glass of Prosecco instead, or I'm gonna have a glass of uh, the, Vernan, the, dry, the dry Vernaccia di Sera Petrona, the sparkling version. So in that case, you see if the the restaurant is uh, you know is prepared or you know and also you, see, you know if the the waiters are the waiters are prepared or you know you can get you can judge the you know the le the level of the restaurant straight away, you know of course and and would be also proud you know you could be proud you know say hi you know, <laughs> yeah. that, you, know you, you can show up you know so exactly <laughs> oh how do you know about that one. <laughs> Oh, well, Marco, thank you so much for answering our questions. Can you let the listeners know how they can find you online? Uh, yes, nice and easy. Um, well, they can go to the, in, on the internet, um, www.marcosway.it, uh, and then they can get through my website, and then over there, you know, the, there's all the information that they in, um, contact, contact details, and, uh, you know, I'm just going you know, all over the market region. 
So and you're on to, Facebook too? I'm on Facebook, exactly. Well, uh, and you've got a great <laughs> video on YouTube. That's wonderful. Ah, okay. Yes. Well, there's a... <laughs> there's a few ways to find Marcos. <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, also on YouTube. Yeah, you're right. Uh, sorry, me and technology are still... I'm working uh, on you. I'm okay. trying. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. No, actually, um, because a friend of mine, uh, she made it for me. Uh, it's beautiful. They did uh, a... Really so, um, so I'm quite... Well, I'm quite proud. She did it. Yeah. You know, just... Um, uh, but anyway, thanks to Claudia. Uh, she's, now she's down in uh, Australia. But you know, thanks to her that uh, you know, thanks to well, if you if you liked it, so I'm you know I'm I'm happy. But yeah, Facebook and YouTube also. Very good. Yeah. Well, thank you, Marco, and um, thank you for the wonderful lunch as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> ciao. Okay. Ciao. Ciao. All right, great interview. Marco's a great guy. I love his family, and we are very, very lucky to uh, know him and yeah. be able to work with him. And it's great to see someone who loves and cares uh, so much about this his area home. and his home and preserving this this kind of culture. And, and I just, I just like everything about him. He's great. He's a great guy. All right, that's enough of us today. Yes. So for the song of the week, I thought we'll take it. Let's take it down a notch. Let's go a little bit holiday style. It's December twelfth. I'm feeling Christmassy. We got the lights twinkling, so we're gonna take we're gonna take one from the three tenors: Luciano Pavarotti and Placido Domingo. Oh, holy night, Cantique de Noel. And um, take us home. Tell whoa, us. Whoa, whoa. Oh, 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 they're gonna <laughs> sing it. They're gonna oh, sing it. You, you don't take have, it home. You, you don't have to. Sing it. <laughs> You take it home. All right. You can find us all over the intraweb. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Vimeo, uh, YouTube. YouTube. I just posted a video about the chickens. Um, uh, our blog. And it's Latavolamarche, L-A-T-A-V-O-L-A-M-A-R-C-H-E. And that's dot .com, dot .com, Facebook. If you can, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. Info at latavlamarque.com for an email. And um, I'm sure we'll post another podcast between here and Christmas. But no if guarantees. Not, no guarantees. No, yeah, definitely no guarantees. And if not, Bon Natale. Merry Christmas. Aguri. Thanks for listening. All right. Enjoy the tenors.
Hey, podcast producers and show hosts. Do you want to join a podcast network that celebrates all things Italian? At Sentire Media, we understand the allure of Italy and its unique culture. Our devoted team of hosts and producers are all driven by their shared passion for Italy. And we work tirelessly to create the best lifestyle podcasts and content that will whisk you away to the very heart of Italy. With us, you can savor the mouth-watering flavors, get lost in the stories from the past, break down the cultural barriers, and truly immerse yourself in the vibrant traditions of this intoxicating country. If you have a great podcast idea or are already in production and would like to join Sentire Media, head over to sentiremedia.com, that's S-E-N-T-I-R-E media.com, and find out how to submit your show.